0: I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I want to welcome you to Gateway Church. Thank you for being here this morning. How many people came to worship God? Anybody? The Bible says he is worthy of our praise. And we're going to open up in prayer. And uh, then we're just going to go uh, before him with worship and and praise. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We are so thankful, honored, and privileged to be able to uh, be in your presence. God, as we come and, and begin to worship you God, I pray that you will receive our worship. God, that you will allow us to to lift up your name and that it will be worthy and acceptable in your eyes. God, we worship, we praise you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I tried to stand and start to fall Of those lonely roads that I've traveled on There was Jesus Where the life I built came crashing to the ground Where the friends I had were nowhere to be found i couldn't see it then but i could see it now and there was jesus in the waiting in the searching in the healing and the hurting like a blessing buried into broken pieces every minute every moment where i've been And there was Jesus For this man who needs an amazing kind of grace And forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay I'm not perfect so I thank God every day There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it, or couldn't see it. There was Jesus on the mountain in the valley.
2: There was Jesus In the shadows
1: of the alleys
2: There was
1: Jesus In the fire
2: story, if my life would sing a song, if I have a testimony, if I have anything at Jesus, his faithful hand has held me all this way, and when I'm old and gray and all my days are but on the earth, let it be known, in you alone my joy was found. My children tell their children let this be their memory, that all my treasure was in heaven, and you were everything to me. no Jesus, His faithful hand has held me all this way, and when I'm old and gray, and all my days are but on the earth, let it be known, in You alone, my joy was found. I found my joy. Still in love, you're still enough for me. Still all I want, you're still my everything. I'm still. Still, my everything. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. His faithful hand has held.
1: of love that's calling There's a chair that waits for you And a friend who understands everything you're going through But you keep standing at a distance In the shadow of your shame There's a light of hope that's shining Won't you come and take your place And all your sorrow and your sadness There's a Savior and He calls Bring it all to the table And you can not see the weight you carry The fear that holds your heart but Through the cross you've been forgiven Ready? He ain't seen before for all your sins and all your sorrow and your sadness. There's a savior, and he calls bring it home to the table. So bring it.
0: Savior
1: and he calls, bring it all to the table.
0: You know, we serve a God that says it doesn't matter what you're going through, it doesn't matter what you're facing or what you're up against. He said, You can bring it to me. He said, if you're weary and and you're burdened, he said, bring it to me. He said, My grace is sufficient. He said, My grace goes beyond what anyone can comprehend, what anyone can can imagine. My grace is so much more. And you may be here this morning and you may be thinking and, and struggling with things in your life. And the enemy wants you to believe that his grace isn't sufficient. The enemy wants to to make you doubt the goodness and the mercy and the grace of an all-loving God. So as Justin sings that through again, if you're here this morning and if you're watching and you've been struggling with feeling worthy, know that you're not in your own but because of his grace you can come to the table you can get what you need because not anything that we can do because of what he did so as he sings that again come to the table
1: come on in take your place there's no one who's turned away all you saints come right in and find your grace come on Now your sorrow and your sadness is the Savior and he calls Bring it all to the table Bring it all
0: Father, we thank you that your love is never ending. God, we're thankful for your grace, for your mercy that endures forever. Father, I pray as we continue to worship you, as we go into the word, God, that something will be dropped into our spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will speak to hearts and lives today. May we leave here changed, forever changed. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you for being here this morning, and uh, we look forward to what God is doing. And um, last week, we started a series that that attempted to answer the question, church, what's the point? Why do we exist? What do we live for? The reason that we're we're looking and examining that question is, is because how many people know that the last nine months, it seems like nine years, 2020 has just been crazy. And so we begin to, to look at that, and, and it's been easy to lose sight of the things that are important in life. It's been easy in the midst of the chaos to forget the importance of the church. As a matter of fact, it's, it's become easy to diminish the church's role in the world, Last week, we we looked at an encounter that Jesus had with Peter, James, and John. When he took them up a mountain, he said, I want you to, to go with me. And when they got there, they saw Jesus in a way that they had never seen him before. They looked at his face, and it was completely different. His robe was completely different. They witnessed something that they would never forget. They had an encounter with Jesus, that would change their lives forever. We looked at chap- Matthew chapter 16 uh, when Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, Who do they say that I am? And they begin to list all of these people. Well, some say you're Elijah or you're, or you're, you're a good, uh, you're a prophet or, or you're Jeremiah, you're all of these things. And Jesus looked at them and said, yeah, but who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? And Peter looked at him and said, well, you're Christ, the son of the living God. And then in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 16, it says, and and I also say to you, that you are Peter. So he said, okay, you've told me who I am. I said, to you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or hell, shall not prevail against it. So in this moment, Jesus was establishing the church. In this moment, he was setting up the blueprint, and he was foreshadowing what was going to happen in the book of Acts when the New Testament church was formed or started? In the book of Acts, a group of people, which included Peter, gathered in what we know as the upper room and they waited for the promise. And they began to pray together. And they sought God together. And by doing that, they would ultimately change the world together last week we looked at and we begin to understand and realize that our job as a church our job as followers of christ is to help people encounter jesus church what's the point to help people encounter jesus this week i want to dig a little bit deeper This week, I want to look at a little closer at what that should look like. And to do that, I want to to talk about a a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's found in John chapter 4. And this is the story that many of us know, that Jesus was on his way, and he said, to get there, we need to go through Samaria. Samaria. Now, it wasn't customary for Jews to go through Samaria. They would go all the way around because they didn't want to go through. But Jesus said, we have to go through Samaria. And the reason that he did that was because he had a plan. And that plan was to reach a city. So he comes to a well... And he meets this woman one-on-one. The good thing about Jesus, the awesome thing about Jesus, he could minister to 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, and he was effective in ministering in a large crowd. But he also was very effective ministering one-on-one. We know the story of Nicodemus. We know the story that we talked about last week in John chapter 8 when he had the woman that was caught in adultery. He ministered to her one-on-one. Here is the same thing happening in John chapter 4. Jesus was powerful in crowds, but he was also powerful one-on-one. And so this encounter in John chapter 4, it shows his heart for people. It allows us to see his heart for us. And it also gives us an example of what our heart for other people should be jesus says we have to go through samaria when he gets there there's a woman that comes to the well and it says it was the noon hour she comes there she's drawing water all by herself she was an outcast she had a past people knew about her past and when jesus locks eyes with her he says will you give me some water And she looks at Jesus and says, why are you talking to me? She couldn't understand what was going on. Jesus said, if you understood who I am, and if you understood what I can do for you, you would be asking me for water. She still has no clue. She looks at him and she says, listen, that's a deep well. You have nothing to draw water with. What are you talking about? He said, if you knew who I was, I would give you living water. She's still, who are you? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He's the one who gave us this well. Are you greater? She said, I know that there's a Messiah coming that's going to tell us everything. And Jesus looks at her and says, listen, that's me. The person you're talking to, That's what you're talking about. And in that moment, she would encounter Jesus. She would leave her jugs and she would go into the city and she would tell everyone what Jesus had done for her. And then she invited them to come back to meet him. So in that moment, a transformation took place in her life and in the lives of an entire city. Now, in that story, there are some things that I believe that I want to, to pull out. Some things that can help us see what our responsibility as a church is. Things that, that we should demonstrate. Things that we should live for. And the first thing is, is that we need to learn to love all despite our differences. Love all despite our differences. When this church was first started back in 2006, the tagline was, Gateway Church, a place for you. And the reason that we established that theology and that principle right from the very beginning was because I've been in church my whole life. And I know that that many times uh, people have a hard time fitting in And when we developed and started this church, we said we want this church to be a place where people who may be different, who may not look like us, can come in and find acceptance. In John chapter 4 verse 9, Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me a Samaritan woman. And for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So when she locks eyes with Jesus and Jesus begins to speak to her, she says, listen, I'm a Samaritan. I'm a woman. I've got two strikes against me in most people's eyes. She said, Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. She said, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You're a man. I'm a woman. We're different. We're not supposed to be talking. We're not supposed to, to get along. We have different backgrounds. We have different opinions. We have different theology. Different philosophies about life. Why are you talking to me? You see, there's a, a, a very harmful dangerous philosophy that's being demonstrated in the world that we live in. And it's causing harm not only in our nation, but in our churches. And that is, if you don't agree with someone, you can't love them. You don't have to agree with someone to show them love. And it's sad to say that the reason that the world looks at the church sometimes very negatively is because we've given them reason to. We don't love them despite our differences. Why was this woman so amazed that Jesus was talking to her? Why was she so caught off guard? It's because she was used to be treated bad by people different than her. She was used to people looking down on her. She was used to the negative thoughts that came her way, negative looks. And as a church, we have to determine in our hearts to catch people off guard by loving them. Catch people off guard by loving them. There's something that that we like to do and sometimes we'll take just bottles of water and take them down to the park and we'll just hand them out. I can't tell you how many people look back at us and say, what do you want? Why are you doing this? How much is it? What are you raising money for? They're caught off guard. And as a church church, We want people to be caught off guard by us showing love, despite their socioeconomic status, despite their political views. If we want to be like Jesus, if we want to be a church that makes a difference, we must love all. Why? Because everyone is important. There's a saying, you will never lock eyes with anyone that does not matter to God. Everyone that you see matters to God. Why? Because everyone has something to offer. Everyone has something to offer. That's not just a a, a cute saying. It's not just something that we can put on the screen because it sounds good. But in this passage of Scripture, the Son of God looks at this woman who by the world's standards has absolutely nothing. And in verse 7, he says this. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. In other words, Jesus was thirsty. In other words, Jesus said, even though the world looks down on you, even though we are different, you have something to offer. You have something. He needed what she had. He was thirsty. You see, too often we allow the, the people that we come in contact with to believe that they have nothing of value. As a church, often we can be found looking down on people who seemingly have less or think they have nothing to offer. But I want us to strive, I want us to exist, to live, to let people know that they are valuable to let people know that they have something to give. Love all despite our differences. And the second thing that as a church that we should live for, that we should strive for, the reason why we should exist is to help hurting people. Life is painful. Everyone deals with pain On some level, the Bible tells us in this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to have things because sin entered the world. You're going to have things that disappoint you. You're going to have hurts. In this encounter with this woman, Jesus says something to her that if you just read it, you would think that he's condemning her. In verse 18, he says this, For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you you now have is not your husband. In that, you spoke truly. Jesus has told her, Go go get your husband. And she said, "I, I don't have one. Now, in this moment, you could look at that and think, Jesus is condemning her. In all actuality, John chapter 3, verse 17 tells us that he didn't come to condemn us, but that we could have life. So, in this moment, Jesus isn't condemning her. What he is doing is he is allowing her to know I see your pain, I know that you're hurting. Jesus lets her know that he cares. She had pain from relationships. She had pain that had come from her family. Often, people's pain comes from and stems back to relationships or their family. And there's nothing like the pain that comes from the hurt of a relationship. And as a church, it's our desire to strengthen relationships, and to strengthen the family. One of our core values is healthy family, healthy church. In other words, if we can build up the family, if we can strengthen relationships and strengthen the family, when that happens, we can have a healthy church. And when we have a healthy church, we can make a difference in the world that we live in. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, It says, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So he looks at Abraham and he says, if you'll do what I'm telling you to do, if you'll take your family and you'll follow and seek after me, he said, I'm going to bless you. And because of you, I'm going to bless the families of this earth. Our nation has deteriorated over the course of time because of the deterioration of the family. In the beginning, God created the family. And when the enemy looked at that, he set out to destroy it. He brought strife and discord between Cain and Abel, two brothers. Why did he want to destroy it? Because he knew that God's force in the earth are families and that one healthy family can make a difference. A healthy church is made up of a congregation of healthy families. And as a church, God wants us to be healthy. And that's why that that we pour into our kids' ministry. That's why that we pour into our youth ministry, our men's ministry, our women's ministry. That's why that we have life groups. Why? Because we want, as a church, to help strengthen marriages. We want things that help us become better parents, that helps us become better spouses, that helps our kids be better kids. We want to strengthen the family. Because when we have strong, healthy families working together, that allows us to accomplish things that God sets before us. Healthy families, healthy church. We want to strengthen them. Thirdly, to make disciples. To make disciples. Now, disciples aren't made on a Sunday morning. A follower can be made on Sunday mornings. Someone can make a decision to follow Christ, but a disciple, becoming a disciple is not a one-time event. It's over a course of time, a period of time. Followers are made with a decision. Disciples are made over time. And the Bible commands us to go into the world and make disciples to teach people the truth of god's word to tell people that jesus is the only way to allow them to know that he is the way he is the truth and he is the life when jesus begins to have this interaction with this woman she doesn't understand that she's worried about jacob she's talking about jacob and, and jesus is saying forget about jacob i'm talking about having a relationship with one greater than jacob I'm talking about having a relationship with the the person that's standing right in front of you. In verse 25 and 26, this woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I who speak to you the Christ that you're talking about. She had Jesus right in front of her face, but she didn't understand how to have a personal relationship with him, how to be a, a disciple of him. And as a church, it's our responsibility not just to get people to come to be a follower, but to help them become a disciple. When Jesus was walking the shore and he looked at his, the ones that would become his disciple. He said, follow me. They didn't become a disciple at that moment. It was a period of time. And he began to walk with them and to teach them. And that's our job as a church. That's the point. It's to see people turn to the gospel. But here's the problem. A lot of people have what they call jailhouse religion. In other words, when things start getting bad, when things are going wrong in their life, they run to Jesus. That's okay. He tells us to run to him. But if you become a true disciple, people will understand and realize that coming to Jesus isn't just something to to ease their hardship. In John chapter 4 verse 15, he says this. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. In other words, she said, I'm really tired of having to come to this well when it's the hottest part of the day. I'm tired of inconveniencing myself. I'm tired of having to do all this work. If you can give me some water that will last forever, that never runs out, that I never have to come back here? Yeah, give it to me. But to be a true disciple of Jesus means that whether our hardships lessen or they intensify, we still follow him. Whether things get easier or harder, we still follow him. There were times in the disciples' life that things weren't easy but they kept following did they make some mistakes along the way absolutely but they kept going even when things look bad and if you don't know christ you need to understand that you cannot have a relationship with him through someone else and sometimes i'll say you know uh, are, are you a follower of christ have you given your life to Him? And they say, well, my, my, my uncle was a pastor. Or, or my grandpa built that church, sits up there. His name's on the side of the building. So many times we, we find people who think they can have a relationship with Christ through someone else. But it's our job to help them understand that they need to be a follower and a disciple of Christ through a personal relationship that they have through Jesus themselves. In John chapter 4, verse 42, it says, Then they said to the woman, so this was after she had went and told them, Come and see this man who's changed my life. They came. And then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. They said, you have told us about it. You've had the encounter. You've tried to explain it. But now that we have come to see him for ourselves, now we believe. Now we will follow, we need the world to know that they have to have that personal relationship and that it has to go more than just a simple, God forgive me, but they need to be followers. They need to be more than followers. They need to be a disciple. You have to have a personal relationship with him to receive eternal life. It only happens through Jesus. the last thing that the church should exist for, church, what's the point? It's to transform communities, to transform the world that we live in. Something that a lot of churches, and when you go to and listen to church growth conferences. And, and one thing that they'll always ask is, is if your church shut down, would the community know it? If your church ceased to exist, if this was the last Sunday that we ever were able to come together, would we be missed? Would people say, whatever happened to that gateway church? Whatever happened to that group of people, we want to be a church that if we ceased to exist, that people would notice. Why? Because we want to do something in this community and in our world that transforms their life. You say, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, we do that by investing. Investing what is important to us. He said, Well, sh- show that to me. In this story, after this woman's life was changed, she had come to the well for one reason, for one purpose, and that was to get water because she knew that she needed that water to survive. That water was the source of her existence. She had to have it. So she came to the well. She got this water. But then she had an encounter with Jesus. And in that moment, she didn't care about the water. The very reason, the very purpose that she had come there, she had it. She said, you know what? I'm going to leave it behind. I'm going to... Forget about it. I'm going to invest it. Someone else can have it because I've been changed. I've got something to do. She was willing to sacrifice. She was willing to invest what was most important to her. She probably, when she got there, thought this is, My main goal for the day, I need this more than anything. But she was willing to leave it all behind, to give it all, to be able to go to the city, to tell people. Now, here's the reality. The reality is, is that when we have something invested, it means more to us. When we have something invested, it takes on a deeper meaning. You ever had a love-hate relationship with something? You love it, but you hate it? I have that with Aldi. I love going to Aldi because you can get three times the amount of groceries at Aldi that you can get anywhere else. Because it's so much cheaper. I love it but I hate it because I hate it never fails. I never have a quarter, and I never have bags. I've bought more 10-cent bags at Aldi than you can imagine. Not too long ago, we had been out of town, and we came back, and we had no groceries, and I said, I'm going to go to Aldi because we've been on vacation. We need to save money. So I come across the bridge, and I look down, and I realize, you ain't got a quarter. And I knew that I was going to have to have a buggy, because I was going to get a lot of stuff. And then I remembered, PNC, you can just withdraw a dollar out of the ATM. So I go there, and I get my dollar, one dollar. George Washington. And I pull into the parking lot knowing I'm going to have to buy bags. But I get excited because there's buggies sitting everywhere. And I thought, man, people don't care about their quarter anymore. What's going on? Because I mean, usually you pull in. I mean, I've seen 107-year-old women walk three miles to, to be able to slide that thing back in to get their quarter. You know what I'm talking about. You've done the same thing. And I look a little closer at the buggy and I see yellow tape that's been placed over that quarter slot. I don't know if it's because of COVID or because of the chain shortage or I have no idea why, but at least the Audi here, you don't have to have a quarter anymore. But because of that, There's buggies all over the parking lot. Rolling, hitting cars, and trying to find a place to park where you don't get your car banged up. People didn't care about putting the buggies up anymore. Why? Because they didn't have anything invested. I mean, it was just a simple quarter. You can't do much for a quarter anymore. But people would take those buggies and put them up. Why? Because they had something invested. Just something small. And as I began to look at those buggies across the, the parking lot, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, it's the same way in life. It's the same way in your following of Christ. Christ. When you're willing to invest something, it means more. When you're willing to to sacrifice something, you're going to pay more attention to it. This woman, she had a reason. She had something invested. She had left her water behind. But her goal was to step out, step out of her comfort zone, invest something. Can you imagine being this woman, this woman who had went to the well to avoid people because people didn't like her? Listen, this encounter with Jesus didn't change the fact in their eyes who she was. They didn't know anything about it. But here she is. She's invested into this situation. She's invested into this relationship with Jesus. That she's willing to step out of her comfort zone. And to go to the same people that she had been trying to avoid. And say... I need you to come see a man. Why? Because she had something invested. And if we're going to transform communities, if we're going to change the lives of the people around us, we've got to be willing to sacrifice, to invest, to step out of our comfort zone, to go to a world who is lost who are hurting, and say, come see a man. Come hear about a man who changed my life, and he can change yours. Why should we be willing to do that? When you think about it, And I think about why will I dedicate my life? Why be a disciple of Christ? Why sacrifice? I think about it and I think, what did he do for me? He gave everything. He sacrificed everything for me. Just as he did for this woman, his heart, he went out of his way to go through a place that normally people didn't go through for her. And in turn, she stepped out of her comfort zone. She sacrificed to tell them about him. Why should we do it? Because of what he's done for us. Because his love is never ending. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But he gives it freely. I'm going to ask you to stand. And here's how we're going to close this service. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, I want you to think about the sacrifice that he made for you. I want you to think about the fact of where you were when he found you. Some of us, we all have stories of where we used to be and where we are now. Not because of anything we've done in our own power, but simply because we have a God that came looking for us. And I want you to think about that. And we're going to sing about His reckless love. And then as we reflect on that in our lives, then I want you to begin to think about when he tells us to go into the world to make disciples. And I want you to think about how that we can transfer and have his heart by the love that he's shown for us and we can transform our world. Why? Because it's the point. It's why we're here. So as Justin begins to sing, just sing, think about his love.
1: Before I spoke a word, You have been so, so kind to me. And oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves a night denied. And I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away, and oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. And you have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth and you paid it all for me. And you have been so, so kind to me. And woe the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And woe it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the night denied. And I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. And woe oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, and it's Love of God, and woe oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the night denied, and I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away, and woe oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. If you're
0: here today and you've never experienced the love that Justin's singing about, God wants you to know that you can. He tells us that all we have to do is ask. Ask Him to come into our lives and to... Give us the grace that we've been talking about. And he says, at that moment, at that moment, your past becomes your past. Old things pass away. All things become new. You're a new person, a new creation. And so if you're here today and you've never made that decision He says, come to the table. He said, bring your hurts, your sorrows, your sickness, your pain. Bring your sin to me. He comes seeking for you. He loves you. If that's you... We're going to pray. We're going to close this service. But as we pray, all you have to do is say, Father, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I want the grace. I want what you're singing about. I want to experience his love. And that's all you have to do. Father, I come to you this morning. God, I'm thankful for every person who has gathered here today. God, no matter what their situation is, no matter what their circumstance is, and no matter where they are in life, no matter where they are on their journey. God, I know that you love us unconditionally. We don't deserve it, but you Give your love freely. Father, I pray that you will forgive us of our sins. God, that you will create create in us a new heart. God, that we will commit to following and being like a disciple of you. Father, I thank you for your love, for your forgiveness, for your mercy, and for your grace. God, thank you that when I was lost and undone without you, that you searched me out. God, that you showed me your never-ending Unwarranted love. God, as we leave this place today, God, I pray that we go knowing. God, that we have a job to do. God, remind us of why we exist, what we live for, what the point actually is. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I want to thank you for being here today. I pray that something was said or done that spoke to you. And I pray that as you leave here, you go knowing that God loves you. And take that love and go tell a lost, a hurt world to come hear about a man who will change their life forever. Have a great week. We love you. Goodbye.